0: Hello and welcome to another episode of From God to Us as we continue to journey our way through the New Testament. We are now looking at the epistles of Paul, or the letters of Paul. Last week we looked at the book of Romans, and we will be looking at each of the books of Paul as they occur in the New Testament. If you remember from our introduction and from last week, the books are not in current chronological order of their writing, but we will follow the order given in the New Testament, giving you the background and overview of each of these books, and then we will also have episodes that we get into the text itself. So if you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians, we will begin the overview of this letter of Paul. When we come to the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, we note that it's quite a bit different from the book of Romans. Romans was a very much doctrinal type of book. Though he addressed some practical things and addressed some individuals, 1 Corinthians takes on a whole different flavor because Paul is writing specifically to address some issues. But before we get into some of the other details of the overview, let's look at the overall theme of the book. And it may be stated this way, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth to offer godly instruction in relation to a number of sinful problems within the church. These included divisiveness, immorality, lawsuits, selfishness, abuses in worship, spiritual gifts, and denial of the resurrection. So again, we see Paul wrote this letter to address issues and problems and questions in the church. Though there are doctrinal things there, the primary purpose wasn't a doctrinal thesis, kind of like Romans was. It's addressing real issues in the church. It's very interesting, when I was in seminary, one of my professors said that people were always saying, well we want to be a New Testament church kind of implying that the churches today aren't New Testament churches. And so we want to go back to the first century and be a New Testament church. And he would always respond by saying, yeah, that's right. Let's be like Corinth. (laughs) Corinth was filled with all kinds of problems. It was a New Testament church. The point he was making is that the New Testament churches had their issues just like our churches today because they're filled with sinful people. So I just thought that was an interesting thing when we think about churches of the New Testament. Sometimes we think they were perfect without problems. But all you got to do is read the letters of Paul, read the letters to the seven churches at, in Revelation. And you find that these churches were filled with all kinds of issues. Looking at the background of the writing of this letter, we understand that the city of Corinth in that day was a very prominent city in the Roman world with around 700,000 inhabitants. It was a great city of commerce and trade in Greece located on the Isthmus between the Aegean Sea and the Adriatic Sea. So there were lots of people coming in and out of the city. Lots of trade was going on. So it was a very, very busy, very prominent city in that day. It was known for the Temple of Aphrodite, which is known as the goddess of love. So there was this huge temple there. The temple housed about a thousand male and female prostitutes, which were consecrated for the worship of this goddess. In other words, people would come to worship the goddess of love, and to worship the goddess of love, you would have sexual relations with one of the prostitutes. This was supposedly the way you worshipped this goddess. As a result, Corinth was known for its immorality. In fact, people often came to Corinth for a vacation from morality. The word Corinthianize means act like a Corinthian became a term synonymous with debauchery, prostitution, and sexual immorality. This was just the kind of city that Corinth was in that day. In addition to the temple of Aphrodite, there were at least 11 other temples of the worship of other kinds of gods and goddesses or Greek gods. So you see that it was a very immoral city. It was influenced by a lot of other types of religious thought. And in the midst of all this, Paul establishes a church there on his second missionary journey. We find this recorded in Acts 18:1 through eight. 1-8. He stayed there about a year and a half and where he wrote first and second Thessalonians. He wrote first Corinthians from Ephesus, And we believe that that he wrote another letter because in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, he says something about my former letter. Now we don't have that letter. That's why we call this one 1 Corinthians. And then later we have another letter called 2 Corinthians. For whatever reason, that first letter was not retained. Uh, We believe that this was not a scripture and therefore the Holy Spirit saw to it that this, this book did not remain. We didn't need it. What we, what we need is found in these two books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. When we look at the overall structure of the book, and if you have the notes that you've downloaded, you can look at the chart or you can also follow the notes here, or if you're just listening, listening along, there are three, I would say, major divisions in this book that kind of guide Paul's thought and thinking. Chapters 1 through 4 deal primarily with divisions in the church, and Paul's answering this issue. He's heard about some things going on, and he writes to address that. Uh, he receives this information from Chloe, and he begins addressing the problem by pointing the believers to Christ and the wisdom uh, that comes from God. God's wisdom in- includes the gospel, and God's wisdom seems foolish to the unsaved. Uh, But the Holy Spirit guides us and gives us wisdom for unity, not for division in the church. Uh, The church as a whole is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then he appeals to his authority as an apostle to speak to these issues. This is what occurs in the first four chapters. The next section would be simply chapters five and six, which deal with immorality and lawsuits in the church. What we find is there seems to be incest in the church in that a man is living with his stepmother. The text says he has his father's wife. So it's not his mother, it's his father's wife. That would be his stepmother. And the church is actually boasting about it, seems to be boasting about their openness to such immorality. In such an immoral city and probably receiving all types of criticism for their belief, now. They accept this man, maybe showing, declaring they're showing him grace for the situation he's in, and he's part of the church. But Paul instructs him to put the immoral man out of the church, and we'll deal with that a little bit more when we get to it. But he addresses that and explains why in that section. He also addresses the issue of inappropriate lawsuits. Then finally, he comes back again to the subject of sexual immorality. So These things uh, are what we find in those chapters, and Paul is dealing with these problems that are going on within the church. And he ends that section by speaking that our individual bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we should keep them from immorality. So Paul refers to the church as a whole as the temple of the Holy Spirit. He refers to our bodies as individuals as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Then in 7 through 16, he's addressing problems in the church, most of them probably coming from uh, the letter that they sent to him asking him to address these issues. And uh, he first uh, begins by addressing the issue of marriage, that marriage is sacred between a man and a woman. Sexuality is good within the bonds of marriage between a man and a woman. Each man and each woman must honor their commitment to each other and not pursue divorce. Uh, he addresses the issue of whether one can eat food sacrificed to idols. Uh, this was not a problem for us today. We don't; uh, No one sees that happening, so it, we can't relate to it very well, but it was something that the church there related to because there was food that was sacrificed to idols, and then that food was taken and sold in the open market. And the question was, well, if it was sacrificed to idols, can we... Purchase and eat it. Some said no, some said yes, and Paul addresses that issue. Addresses the practice of worship regarding men and women. He addresses certain uh, abuses, the celebration of the Lord's Supper, and he gives them some instructions regarding celebration. Uh, He finally turns to the subject of spiritual gifts in chapter 12. It seems there was confusion about the subject, so Paul clearly lays out the nature and the purpose of the gifts in chapter 12. He teaches the proper motivation for spiritual gifts is love in chapter 13. That's why that, that chapter is there, and we'll talk more about that later. Finally, he addresses the abuse of tongues by comparing and contrasting it with prophecy. Prophecy is a greater gift because it edifies the church, but tongues does not edify the church unless it is interpreted so people can know what is being said. And that's very clear. And that's just a big picture overview at that section. We'll deal in more detail with those things when we get there. Paul confirms the gospel of Jesus Christ and presents the resurrection as the believer's hope for complete forgiveness of sins, and for their hope of a resurrection to eternal life. This was an important issue. There were people that were, even that day, were challenging the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, just as it is today. There are many people that say Jesus never rose from the dead, and so in that day there were questions. Did he really rise from the dead? How important is that? And Paul basically says it's a cornerstone of the gospel without the resurrection we're still dead in our sins there is no gospel without the resurrection and that's a very important section confirming not only that the resurrection is true but also confirming the importance of what happens to us when christ appears when we are resurrected that we put on a new immortal body at that time and so paul is encouraging the believers with that Finally, he addresses uh, the collection of the church and offers some greetings to some particular believers at Corinth. Well, that again is the big picture structure. As you know from other sessions, we don't go into great detail in this, in this part, and we'll do some detail later. But some, some of the major themes that come out in this, in this section, in, in this uh, book, are number one, sin in the church. As I said earlier Corinth had a lot of problems. Uh, the influence of an immoral city and a immoral society obviously had an impact on the church and upon the Christians there. Paul dealt, dealt with divisions in the church that had been reported by Chloe. Uh, there's all the issue of sexual immorality that is happening. Some participating in that, having a man in the church that is living with a stepmother. Paul is addressing all these things. Uh, other issues regarding marriage, lawsuits, selfishness, food, sacrifice, to idols, all these things, abuses and worship. There were all kinds of problems going on in the church. And so there was sin in the church, both in the committing of sin and also in the not doing that which was appropriate, which they were called to do. So Paul is addressing these things. And uh, that is a theme throughout the whole book. There's also a theme of the work of the Holy Spirit. In light of all this, Paul is emphasizing the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul teaches that the Holy Spirit reveals wisdom to us, and he searches our hearts. The Holy Spirit is very important in our life, in our walk as a Christian. It is very important in the way we serve, and the way we address others. The Holy Spirit is crucial to our spiritual life. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, both individually and corporately. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts through which we build up the body, which we build up the church. These are some of the things we see throughout. And then a third issue, a third theme would be, Paul continues to point Corinthian believers toward the worship of God. Worship is an issue here, and worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. We worship the Lord by our commitment of our lives, We honor God with our bodies by not submitting to sexual immorality. We are to honor God by what we eat and how our actions influence others. Uh, We are to be an established order of worship in authority in practice. And we are to worship the Lord by using our gifts. So worship is a big picture theme here in the book. So these are some of the things. And then there's also God's answers to these issues that, that Paul brings to the people. Okay, that that gives us a bird's eye view, a big, large picture view of the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Again, it's very different from Romans. Uh, it's a book that's addressing all kinds of issues for the people, trying to help them to understand God's truth, the proper way to live, how to deal with sin, and how to love and serve one another and the church was all mixed up on these things they had a lot of things wrong and Paul is addressing this to help them with those issues and in fact when we look at this book there are many things that would be applicable today just look at the church around the world or even in the United States or even in your community there's all types of divisions going on and so this is a very practical book in a lot of ways it addresses Many things in our culture, sexual immorality is rampant in our culture, and it's becoming rampant in the church. This is a book for today. Spiritual gifts, people have no concept of what spiritual gifts are. They're abuses of spiritual gifts. This book is for today. Uh, As we said earlier, people are denying the resurrection. This is a book for today. So much of this book is applicable to the the time in which we live right now. So we, we think of some maybe major lessons that we learn from this book is that uh, just as I said, many issues we face today were similar in the New Testament times. Yes, the culture was different. The specific situations were different, but the issues are still the same. The Bible relates to all areas of life and practice and gives us guidance for righteous living. We see that the Bible is relevant for today. Yes, it's an ancient book that was written in a different time but as i said the issues and the sin problems are still the same and the bible addresses those issues for us number three god expects his children to abide by his guidance for sexual purity he has guidelines for how we are to be pure and those are clear in the scripture god is not trying to spoil our fun God is not a cosmic killjoy by giving us principles and guidelines for sexual purity. He knows what happens to us and to humanity when we step outside of the bounds that God has established for us. There is suffering, there is pain, there is heartache, there is even disease that comes as a result of stepping outside of God's bounds for sexual purity. It's for our good. God is not trying to destroy our fun. Every believer has a spiritual gift for the building up of the body. So you have a spiritual gift, at least one. You may have more than one. But the purpose for that gift is not for your own self-edification. It is for the building up of the body of Christ, for building up of other believers. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is our hope and assurance of a resurrection to a new and a better body this is a great hope that we have in jesus christ and especially at times when someone has passed away i recently did a funeral for a dear lady a dear believer in jesus christ very faithful woman and it was it was a pleasure to do that in the sense that i could give the family hope that she has now received resurrected body she is in the presence of the lord and the resurrection is our hope for that So if we think about maybe some specifics for life today, we should strive for unity in everything because believers are united in God's temple by the Holy Spirit. We are all connected through the Holy Spirit. We are a body. And so we must strive for unity in the body. Number three, learn your spiritual gift and use them to build up the church. Start looking, start finding out what your gift is and use it to build up others. Know that through Jesus Christ, you are saved because he is alive and he is the one who saves. We do not save ourselves by our works or by the things we do in the church. We're saved by the death, the shed blood and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, I would say, make worship a priority in your daily life. We called to worship God. We are created to worship God. And now that we have been redeemed, born again, and given the Holy Spirit, the worship of God Almighty and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ must be a priority in our life every day. Well, friends, that is the big picture overview of the book of 1 Corinthians. Thank you for joining us for this episode. And the next probably two episodes, we will be looking at some specific things, specific verses and passages from the book of 1 Corinthians. Again, it's not going to be an in-depth study, but it will be a, a more detailed overview than what we've given you here. So again, thank you for joining us and I pray that God will continue to bless you as you read and study his word.